Hello and welcome to episode number three of Prosperity by the Pine. I am your host, Bryce Carter, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant, certified investment management analyst, and self-proclaimed millennial money expert. This is the podcast where we talk about money, investing, business, and life success, all while having a cold beer. This week, we're going to be talking about what you should look for in a financial advisor. Also this week, we are going to be drinking... I think I'm on an Ohio kick lately. This is a uh, Fat Heads Sunshine Daydream Session IPA. If you haven't figured it out by now, I am a little bit of an IPA fan. So we're going to give this a try uh, today and uh, see how we like it. Cheers. Ooh, that one is a little bit piney. A little bit sweet, too. I don't know. First taste, I, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll judge more from... From uh, from the second and third taste. Before I get into what you should look for in a financial advisor, I want to talk about why you might need one. So there's there's I don't know a few a few reasons uh, in particular why you might need a financial advisor. The first one is time, second interest, third education, and four is complication. So the first one time. There can be a lot of smart people out there, people that maybe have uh, the skills, abilities, and maybe even the knowledge to learn about and handle their own finances and investments, but they don't have the time for it. If you work in 20 hours a day uh, as a doctor, uh, I'm guessing if you're a doctor, you're smart enough to handle your own own, uh, finances, you just might not have the time to do it. Might need a financial advisor. Interest. There's people out here that have the the time. Maybe the capabilities of learning what they need to learn to handle their finances, but have zero interest in it. Some people are just not financially uh, sophisticated in the sense that they don't find it interesting. That's okay. Education. Um, you might just not gravitate towards towards finances as far as wanting to learn about it. That's okay too. And then your situation might be a little bit more complicated. Uh, maybe you have stock option plan uh, in addition to a 401k. Maybe you make too much money to contribute to a traditional Roth IRA. Maybe you're a 1099 employee and uh, you don't have a 401k, so you need to figure out how to how to save beyond an IRA or SEP, uh, a traditional IRA. Uh, maybe you need to learn how to set up a SEP or a solo 401k. So if your situation is complicated. So the big things are... You don't have the time, you don't have the interest, you don't have the education, or it's just, you know what, it's too damn complicated. That's okay. It's time to find a financial advisor. So what should you be looking for in a financial advisor? So this is a loose term, financial advisor. It's very loose. There's actually no regulation out there that basically concretely says who can call themselves a financial advisor. It's pretty pretty loose. Uh, nothing at the federal level anyways. Different states have different rules on that. But So there's eh, three types of people basically that call themselves a financial advisor or three types of uh, professions that can kind of fall into the financial advisor umbrella. The first is brokers. So um, I think stockbrokers. Uh, it's a little different today. They usually sell mutual funds or annuities for a commission, variable annuities that is, um, as opposed to individual stocks, hey, hey, you know, buy 100 shares of Microsoft. That doesn't happen much anymore. Uh, There's insurance agents, which uh, tend to do things like uh, overfunding uh, permanent life insurance to produce an income later in life or selling fixed annuities or GLI, GFI. That stuff doesn't actually, uh, by GFI, GLI being um, pensions, uh, private pensions, that is. Uh, 
insurance products do not fall under the realm of securities. So they are regulated at the state level. You require no securities or investing license to be an insurance agent. And many of themselves, many call themselves things like uh, retirement income specialist or um, social security planning specialist or a lot of things uh, geared towards income later in uh, life. And and those are typically insurance and annuity products that are being pitched by these individuals. I'm going to try this, uh, try this beer again, see if I can get a better perspective on it. I mean, it's a typical session. I, I, I don't know that I love it. It's okay, though. Um, the third, and this is where you're actually starting to get into actual financial advisors. An actual financial advisor is somebody that is regulated by the SEC. Um, they have a securities license. Uh, brokers have a securities license, too. But the securities license a financial advisor has is typically uh, Series 65, uh, it allows them to act as a financial advisor and be paid for advice by you as opposed to a product distribution company. So I want to go into a little more detail on, on, on the distinctions here. So a broker is somebody that's paid a commission by a product manufacturer to sell you a product. Example. Broker John Stevenson sells you uh, $100,000 of American Funds A shares. They are paid a commission, uh, let's just say, in that particular scenario, of 2.5%, so $2,500. And then it may be a small trail after that of 0.25%, but they're not actually giving you advice. You don't know if that American Funds product is the best product for you um, because they are paid by American Funds. Not to knock American Funds. I actually like American Funds. I think they're, uh, as far as active managers go, they're a pretty, pretty, pretty good active manager. Um, just using this as an example. So uh, a, a broker, sometimes called a registered representative or financial services professional, is paid a commission from a product manufacturer to sell you something. You can have a good person that does that, but that's the fact of the matter. They're not paid by you. They're paid by somebody else to sell you something. So inherently, there is a conflict of interest, which is why I would recommend looking more towards a financial advisor than a broker. An insurance agent is the same thing in the sense that they're paid a commission to sell you a product. They're paid by the product manufacturer a.k.a. the insurance company, to sell you a product. They are not necessarily selling you the product that is best for you because there is an inherent conflict of interest. They're paid by somebody else, not you. A financial advisor, on the other hand, is paid by you to provide them, uh, is paid by you to provide you with the best advice or products or recommendations for products to meet your financial goals, which means you would pay a flat fee. Some advisors charge hourly, some advisors charge um, an annual fee, a monthly fee, some charge a percentage of a portfolio fee, although those are pretty common practice, in order to give you advice. Um, Now, that advice could stem from just what to do with a particular investment account, or it could be what you should be doing for retirement planning. It may include things like insurance products, at which point they can include uh, insurance agents, or they might be multiple licensed. So a financial advisor, a true financial advisor, is paid by you. They work for you. They're not paid 
by a product company. So they represent you to the different companies. They don't represent the different companies to you. That's what a real financial advisor is. So what other qualities should you look for? So I, I've, I think I've made my point clear that you should be looking, when you're looking for a financial advisor, you should be looking for a financial advisor, not a broker or an insurance agent or some uh, somebody else that's calling themselves a financial advisor that's not truly an SEC registered investment advisor or financial advisor. So what other qualities should you be looking for? Uh, credentials. So there's a lot of different credentials out there. Some are more credible than others. Um, one in particular that is very well known, I happen to have it, is the Certified Financial Planner designation. It's pretty rigorous. Uh, it's a lot of classes, a really hard test. You, uh, you uh, agree to abide by a certain code of ethics and standards. Um, that would be a good starting point. Anything above and beyond that's fine. Chartered Financial Consultant, which is CHFC is uh, very similar to the CFP. I would put those two on equal playing field. One's just does a better job of marketing. So those are some of the things to look at. Uh, Cheers again. Another thing is proper licensing. So there's a couple resources out there. Uh, FINRA, F-I-N-R-A, is a self-regulatory organization that regulates financial advisors. Uh, They have a website out there called BrokerCheck. All you have to search is give it a Google, BrokerCheck, I encourage you to search for your uh, financial advisor. It's going to tell you whether they're a broker or investment advisor or both. And it's also going to show their their track record um, as far as complaints, uh, financial situation, whether they've been bankrupt or or had debts that they've had to settle, etc. Probably don't want a financial advisor that's been bankrupt, but you'd be surprised at how many have. Kind of kind of disappointing. so that would be the bare minimum. Check their licensing, then look for credentials. CFP or better uh, would be would be my recommendation there. Um, experience and education. So I would say that experience matters. It does, but the guy with thirty years of experience doesn't necessarily mean he's better than the guy with ten. Uh, it's just you want to have somebody that can communicate with you at a level that you're going to understand and also knows their shit. Okay, so education, um, somebody that's going to educate you and make it so eventually you maybe won't need them because you've been well informed enough. So experience and education matter. Uh, communication matters a lot. I would say that they need to be able to, one, the way in which they communicate with you, whether it's digital, email, uh, text, uh, video conference, needs to work for you, but also what they're saying. If they're just talking in industry jargon, that's code for, I'm smarter than you, take my word for it. Instead, they need to be explaining things to you, particularly if, if, if you have questions. I like to say that I think investors should work with people that have similar experiences, meaning um, if you've raised kids and your financial advisor's raising kids, you have some similarities there uh, or vice versa. So people in a similar situation, uh, at least financially, if you're a wealthy investor, you probably don't want a broke financial advisor. You know, that's, that's, that's not too unreasonable to ask. Geography, I would, I would say geography is not as big of a deal as it used to be. So Technology has made it so you can work with somebody that's really going to communicate with you at the right level, uh, has the right experience, knows your craft, knows your business, knows your investment philosophy and and preferences, and they don't have to be up the road anymore. So you have web conferencing, all these other things that we can use uh, to make sure that we can work together, even if it's across the country. So 
if you're a trust fund baby sitting in Boulder, Colorado, and you're looking for a really good financial advisor and somebody on the on a podcast that shall not be named communicates with you really well, they don't have to be down the road anymore. So that that I guess would bring me to my next point, which is what kind of resources is a financial advisor going to bring to you as far as technology and value add. So are 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 you able to, you know, look up your accounts using an app? Uh you know, that seems it's 2018, 2019. Uh it seems like that would be pretty easy to do, but a lot of a lot of advisors don't have that. They should probably have that. So I think one thing to think about is what kind of resources are your financial advisors providing not only from the standpoint of, you know, their firm has XYZ resource resources and researchers and analysts, but what kind of uh, technology are they providing at your fingertips in order to make you a better investor, a better saver, whatever it may be. So to kind of wrap things up here, one, I think this beer is worth a try. <laughs> Fathead Sunshine Daydream uh, Session IPA. Two, when you're looking for a financial advisor, you need to make sure that you actually have a financial advisor, not a broker, not just a pure insurance agent, but a true financial advisor, somebody that works for you, not a product distribution company. Financial advisors may have insurance license and things like that. They should be very clear and transparent about that. Transparency is the key when you're starting to look at products outside of advice, okay? So look for a true financial advisor. Look for education and credentials. CFP is great. CHFC is great. There's a lot of other uh, credentials out there. Uh, if you, you hear of a credential and you don't know about it, uh, shoot me an email. Uh, my information is pretty easy to find online, uh, and, and I'll let you know what I think of it. Uh, people that can communicate with you effectively and ultimately add some value as far as the technology they're providing, the resources, the information, um, those kind of things. And I'm going to wrap up by saying the number one thing any financial advisor should provide, the number one thing any financial advisor should provide is transparency, meaning you know how they get paid, you know why they're making recommendations that they're making, and you know that they're on the same side of the playing field as you. That transparency, it's not that hard. It's something the finance industry has been absolutely horrible at for decades but it's a pretty simple ask. You be transparent with me, I'll be transparent with you. So that's this week's episode of Prosperity by the Pint. Cheers, and we'll catch you next time.